Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Previously, an oldie but a goodie, Sandra was trapped in time. Zack is in the future, teleporting into historical figures' bodies. One day, they come across a fancy bit of technology. Oh, look at this. Oh, it looks like some sort of time travel device. Oh my god, not a time travel device. Oh, look, they're turning it on. They're turning it on. It's making big sci-fi noises that, I'm ha- that I've am that i had to download off YouTube. Oh, and, and someone dropped a plate. Oh, oh dear. my god, there's a plate. Oh, and the orphans <laughs> running around. Hello, governor. Got any dimes? Oh dear, the orphans hopped into the time machine. Oh, Orphan, don't get into the time machine. Orphan, ever since that orphan killed someone, he's really been trying to dead it. Oh my <laughs> god, the orphan's been replaced by... Is that... Is that Valaris from Twitch? Hello? How did I get here? Is that orphan gone forever? I guess we'll probably have to deal with that next week. It's fine. It's, it's a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Where's the orphan now? Will they cross paths again? Find out now in the continuation of Oldie But A Goodie! Imagine a year where Sandra and Zack try desperately not to talk about World War II, but are now finally forced to. (laughs) What year is that, Zack? The year is the 1940s. That's a decade. Well, it's close enough. It's 1940s. Fuck you. Hello, hi, hello, hello and welcome to Oldie Buddy Goodie. Oh my goodness, my name is Sandro. I'm always in such a in such a mess at the start of these episodes, because yes, we're going to be reviewing The Great Dictator, we've got a guest on, it's going to be a lot of great fun, oh, I've got to find Zach and Buddy of some historical person, that's all coming up, that's all very soon, but I don't know if you heard it, but at the end of the last episode, actually halfway through last episode, the orphan that we've been taking with us on these adventures randomly walked into a portal, and I don't know where that orphan is, I don't know where the orphan's gone. I've been looking for the orphan all week. I'm here in, in, in I think it's America in 1940, and I'm just looking for the orphan. I'm looking for the orphan. I'm looking everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. The orphan fell from the sky. Oh, where, where am I? Oh, when am I? Who am I? And who are my parents? I I can't answer those last two ones, Orphan, but you are in the year 1940. You went to a portal. Are you okay? Orphan? Does that mean my mummy and daddy are fucking dead? Sorry for swearing my name a child. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm not supposed to know those words, but the lovely baker told me them in exchange for some bread. I don't know why the baker needed some bread, but I got some for him. I suppose he ran out. And so then he taught me to swear. I can say shit, fuck, cunt and pussy. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that was four loaves of bread. You bet you, you don't want to know what the greengrocer taught me. Or what did the greengrocer teach you often? Oh, I can't, I, can't, I can't tell you because this is an audio medium, not a visual medium. Oh, right, okay. But trust me, there's some choice gestures and genitals. Wow, wait, so Orphan, have you just been living your life the past week? I've just been wandering around shops. Wow. Running errands and learning about the world. That seems really, like, we kind of ripped you out of your your own time back in 1920. And I've actually never asked you this the entire time, despite travelling with you for 20 weeks. Are you okay, Orphan? Am I okay? Are you okay? I'm fucking cunt. Oh, right, okay. Blimey neck, I'm having the time of me life. And time seems to be me life. Mm. Back in and out of time. In time, out of time, through time. Yep. It's a it's a time to be alive. Do you want to talk about how you killed Hindenburg, or are we just going to move past that? Hindenburg? The bloody bloater was uh, building a balloon, and I... F- Fucking hate balloons. <laughs> oh, that's why you did it. Okay, fair. Uh, hello. Oh, who's that man? I'm I'm Percy LeBron Spencer. Pleasure to meet oh. you. I I saw a child fall from the sky. Oh, what's going on here? Yeah, why were you falling from the sky, Orphan? Oh, I don't know. I just found myself in the other end of a portal, and it just spat me out. Wow, it's almost like. Despite you being away from me for a week and having your own adventure, when it's time to do the podcast, time puts you back where I am. Hmm. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Anyway, who are you, sir? Oh, I'm, I'm Percy Spencer. I, I did say that. He said, he already said, you got to keep up to date, <laughs> Mr. Sandro. It's such a boring white name. I just forgot. Percy, wow. Percy Spencer. It's such a boring American Percy name. Spe- Mr. Spencer, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. I'm really interested in what you have to say. Oh, thank you. Would you like a loaf of bread or an apple? Uh, you know what? I, I could go for a loaf of bread, actually. Thank you. That would All be great. Right, give me one back. But in exchange, you got to teach me a new sweet. Swear word. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what ones do you already know? Well, I know fuck, shit, piss, cunt, <laughs> pussy, bully, bum, butt, Ooh. butthole, bumhole, uh, cunt hole, vagina, vulva, labia minora, Some of these labia aren't swear majora. Words. These are just medical. <laughs> these are just medical terms for genitals. C-section. Oh my god. <laughs> That's not a swear word. What's the context where you were taught C-section, Orphan? I think some people have been taking advantage of you and teaching you things that aren't swear words in exchange for bread. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, you blubbing C-section. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't say that to people, Orphan. You can't say that. Well, I just did. Now, do you want that loaf of bread or not? Uh, it appears you know all the swear words I know, but I could teach you a thing about microwaves. A micro who? Like a little hello? Uh, no. Like a spectrum of light. A what? A spectrum, a, like red and in the red, or in your rainbow, orange, green and blue? Yeah, I feel like this is going to go over your head. Yeah, most things do, I'm really sure I'm a child. Ah, I see, that's why it would be. I'm making a box that can heat things up. Wait, so what are you going to use this this box, this 
microwave to do. It, it, it's, it's pronounced microwave. He just told you how it's pronounced, Sandra. <laughs> Got to listen if you want to get ahead in this world. You don't know what it is, but you do know how to say it. Come on, keep up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, it's uh, got to mass produce them, and people can put them in their houses, a bit like an oven, but uh, faster, more efficient, and faster, and more up. efficient oven. Think of all the loads of bread you could bake in one of those. Mm. Yeah, well, bread goes a little funny in them, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, I could learn so many fucking swear words. All right, uh, you've got to... Can you please, Mr. Percy Spencer, your name suggests that you might have an empty head, but can you, uh... <laughs> can you clear your... I don't understand that one. Could you explain that one, please? I think that's, like, sort of like a swear word, but just an insult is empty head, so it's, like, meaning... Oh, my God! Right, but why would why would your name suggest an empty head? I don't understand. Uh, his name is Percy Spencer, which is kind of boring. It's just a boring name. Oh... Right, thanks for explaining that, because that makes no blimmin' sense. <laughs> yeah, what, what's going on? Why are we talking about empty heads? Oh, the orphan's very chatty. Why Why? Why are we talking with the orphan? Wasn't he just, like, sort of generic earlier? Why has he suddenly gained consciousness? Well, the orphan, the orphan went into that portal last week and um, oh. seems to, to... It's a lot more chatty now. Yeah, I've learned so many new words that I haven't been recycling. Oh, yeah? What what words have you learned? Oh, I've learned the word catastrophe. Oh, I've oh, learned nice. the word minuscule. Oh, minestrone. Oh. Uh, oh. I've learned the word... Uh, that's one word, by the way. Minuscule. Minestrone. I'm just going to get this gun here. I've learned the word <laughs> propeller. Let's put bed inside this body. This is so... Oh, oh my God. If you want uh, any other words that, that you might want to recycle for any future episodes, I can learn those as well. How about this word? Bang! <laughs> Whoa. I know that one. That's a swear word. No, I'm shooting you so Ben can come inside of you, orphan. Well, that... Can you rephrase that for a moment? <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> I have to agree with the orphan here. That was some phrasing. I, my head feels suddenly queasy. That's a very long transformation. (laughs) Zach, Sandra, what, 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 what the hell is going on? Oh, hi. How's it going? Hi. Hello. You're you're in the orphan again. It's 1940. Oh my god! The like historical (laughs) child. Yeah. Yes. We're still bringing it around. The vaguely Dickensian boy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yes. He knows a lot more swear words now, which is cool. Oh, great. What swear words did he learn? I, I think it was shit, cunt, fuck, pussy, C-section. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one? That's a good one. Has time been, like, so messed up that C-section is now a swear word in the future? Yeah, yeah, that's, like, the worst one. That's the (laughs) C-word. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's why you say C-section, because you can't say cesarean. Oh, 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 my God. You can't say that, sir. Not on... We're going to have to cut that bit out. That word being the worst word is vaguely misogynistic, but we're not going to get into that. Instead, (laughs) we're going to get into the great dictator. The great what-tator? The great dictator. Oh, that's a that's a swear word that he didn't say. Maybe we could teach him that one. Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll be thrilled to learn any new swear words by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. And if you know any swear words, send them. <laughs> send them in to oldiebuttagoodypod at gmail.com. Can you teach the orphan to say motherfucker? 
Because it's funny because it's an orphan, so he doesn't have one. Oh, oh it's ironic. Oh, yeah. right? fu- I'll write that down for after the, the episode. Tell- okay, write it down and then tell the orphan to say motherfucker. Say mm. And then he'll ask what it means and it'll be really funny because he'll have to explain it. Yeah, that's very funny. Uh, speaking of very funny. Speaking of very funny, Zach, it's 1940 and you bloody chose the movie The Great Dictator, our second Charlie Chaplin film on the show. First one was The Kid. Now we're doing The Great Dictator. Zach, you seen this before? You aware of this movie? You know what's going on? Did you understand it? <laughs> I, I, I kind of got from context clues what was happening. <laughs> yes, Andrew. Okay. Um, cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Good work, I guess. i'm so confused um hey i think uh world wars pretty bad what uh dictators bad comedy good and this was pretty fun pretty enjoyable i i like this film i like the way it mocked certain dictators Mm. that are called hitler and uh oh my god he said it he he said it (laughs) yeah he said it because, hey, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Hitler probably wasn't wasn't a good guy. What? Along with all the other vegetarians. Wow. <laughs> wow. <sighs> it's going to be one of these episodes, isn't it? Ah, uh, Ben. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was Zach's first time watching this. I had seen this before, I, I think. There's parts of it that I've definitely seen before, but I think I was a kid, so I might have tuned out. Anyway, I, 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 I thought it was pretty good. What did you think, Ben? I yeah, I'd seen this before. Uh I can't remember when, probably, you know, ten, fifteen years ago or something. Mm-hmm. It was I mean it's a it's a classic. Uh there's like a like pretty much every Chaplin film, it's a classic. I think this time round I didn't find it as impactful or uh, as affecting as I did the first time round when I watched it when I was like uh, you know I, I think I gave it five stars at the time. I, I mean, it's still, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful film and it, it plays with the light and the dark really beautifully. I, but I, I, I don't know, I didn't connect with it as much on uh, this time around. May have also just been the mood I was in, so. I mean, potentially. I, yeah, I don't, you know, we are written on spoilers, uh, but I will say that I, I, I don't think it's a five out of five movie. I, it's an odd one because it's a, it's a satire about Nazi Germany Mm. Mm. before the war, I don't, don't want to say properly kicked off, but before a lot of the uh, really bad stuff became public, I guess, before yeah. it was, like, more in in the public eye. Yeah. So it's like, like even Chaplin has said um, the film would have been very different or not made at all if yeah. he had done this after the war. So it, it kind of feels like it doesn't have an ending, which mm. I was like, oh. I mean, that kind of makes sense because it was sort of- it, Mid-war. Timing-wise, just happening sort of at the, at the you know, the rise. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. It's like, what what's happening next? Um, and I think even it was being produced before, like, when it was being filmed, the UK still wasn't at war with Germany. So, so in yeah, in, in that mind, I mean, it wasn't as atrocious, but at the same time, it's like- the facts were pretty uh, pretty self-evident it it it's interesting to me because he's mocking hitler before his worst crimes were known you like clearly he wasn't exactly a great figure beforehand if they're already mocking him but it's it's more akin to mocking king jong un 
than like Hitler because they, you know, the, the horrible things. So like the film's pretty light on the war crimes it's making fun of, you know. Yeah, because at, at that at that point it wasn't really war crimes as so much as like you know domestic crimes. Yeah, posturating and organizing of people and other things, and obviously oppressing people. I mean, there's a lot of like hate crimes in the movie by uh, the stormtroopers, obviously, but they're yeah, like they're like, oh, they're just off to the concentration camp. Nothing bad. It's just a prison. And you're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. stuff like that. I I think there's even a random joke in there about gas as well. And I was like, fuck, that's a badly timed joke. Yeah. And and I think had he like, had he known how horrific it it was, he probably would have. Yeah. As you said, you know, he either wouldn't have made it at all or would have treated those particular aspects differently. But I, I guess, you know, there's a bit of naivety to it, which which at the same time lends it this striking character of hope almost. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, that infuses, it's like, this is terrible, but, you know, we as humans can overcome this. And so it paints the whole film and, you know, despite dealing with such dark subject matter and such you know, awful people and, and, and circumstances, I think it, it, it still, there's, there's a bit of a glow to the film because perhaps Chaplin himself hadn't realised how severe mm. everything was that he was that he was mocking. No, definitely. And I mean, it's, you know, one of the most popular films of all time. The yeah. ending is, as well, the ending monologue has been cited. The as- final speech has been, has been yeah, quoted yeah. And, and, and shown a lot. There's rumours that, that Chaplin, uh, that Hitler himself watched the film uh, and, and, like, asked to, for a print of the film and, and watched it twice. But no, no one knows what he thought about the film. That I mean, that makes sense. Like, I feel like you would if a film was being made kind of about you. I feel like you'd probably want to check it out. But mm. yeah, Hitler, he loved Metropolis, so I'm sure he thought this film was also good. Yeah, great. Look, a uh, good, good, good film taste, that man. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> Love to see the guy's letterboxed. Uh, Zach, we have done one other Charlie Chaplin film on the podcast before, but it was a silent slapstick comedy. Yes. Uh, we've kind of skipped all of the other slapstick silent stuff that he's done and gone straight to his first sound movie. How did you find watching him talking this time, even though there are still silent sequences in this film? Yeah, that was interesting. A lot of the time he sort of defaults to not talking, which is sort of his character is just like slapstick and not really talking. So he's not a particularly talkative character, but I thought he was all right. I would say that's also, it's not so much uh, that that's his character, uh, but but also that, you know, as someone who grew up, so to speak, in the silent era and who was the most prolific during the silent era, it's it's less about being his character and more about being just what he's used to and the way that he's used to telling a story. Oh, I think it was a choice. I think it was a choice that he made to make his character more silent to go with the character that everyone's familiar with. Right. See, I, I feel like it could have potentially just been that being what what he's used to, it just sort of unconsciously slipped through that... The various set pieces that he uses are largely visual and physical. No, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, like he wrote and produced this after modern times, a few years after that. So he would make 
makes sense. There has been some conversation about whether or not this is the character of the tramp, but mm. no, it is not meant to be. So that is, oh, that, that is not the case. But yeah, I, I wasn't sure. So there, there you go. Well, it's good to know. I mean, he certainly dresses very similarly. I will say like uh, out of all of the silent people's films you know it, it was chaplay chaplay <laughs> chaplay chaplay it was like harry lloydy <laughs> and uh the other guy what's his name buster Keaton and buster katie um out of, buster K. out of all three of them like it makes sense that charlie chaplin is the one to make this movie mm. like to go to this yeah the sound era and make something this I guess poignant. Yeah, I don't know if it invented satire. It probably and almost definitely did not. But it's uh, no. yeah, one of the most important satire movies, I think. But yeah, like out of all of them, it's interesting how the other two really dropped off at this point. Buster Keaton was doing independent stuff mostly. Yeah, they faded off. I mean, independent like this was an independent film. Yeah, but Chaplin was always making his own sort of stuff. Whereas I think. Particularly Lee Buster Keaton, he was dropped by whatever distributor he was working with at the time. Yeah, he was a bit of a studio's plaything. It's an interesting film. Interesting to think about, especially, like, where it starts, which I guess is spoilers, so I don't want to spoil it. But, like, the progression of this person's life through the situation they're put in, which is more of a comedy sort of thing. But right near the end, I think it really touches on some of the worse bits like, the actual war and stuff, and that actually, like, very much resonated with me right at the end. I was like, oh shit, this is fucked up, but I guess we'll get into it. There's some moments as well that I thought were quite well done, where it's like, the characters are acting in a slapstick way, but the events that are happening to them are just, they're just hate crimes, they're awful things that these people are doing to to them, but it's all like, oh, I'm gonna hit your head with a pan, boing! Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But Ben, you you said that it potentially didn't hit as well for you this time around. Why do you think that is? Are there like some particular moments or stuff that didn't work for you? I I I thought it opened quite slowly. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe maybe it's maybe my attention span has shortened in the intervening years. But I I thought it didn't, it didn't quite get to the good stuff uh, quickly enough. And I I mean it's you know the film's two hours long. I was I guess I was sort of expecting. Or, or remembering there to be more happening, maybe, or, or more more of that poignancy, the juxtaposition. That's fair. Whereas, you know, the the like the few set pieces that there were were really uh, impressive, and you know, the very the, the various gags were really good. But I I kind of felt that they were a little bit few and far between for for a film of this runtime. Yeah, there was a lot of posturing by the dictator at the start, which could have just been cut out to get to the bit where the dictator's like invited someone. Oh, I mean, even even before that, like I I wasn't sure that they really needed the the first World War stuff. Yeah, that just felt like a short that Chaplin made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really a short at the start. It felt like it was like a revisit of um, his short Shoulder Arms, which. You know, I don't know. It, it yeah, it felt a little bit out of place. Um, on the other hand, it it was interesting the way that that war was portrayed as kind of a little bit, you know, slapstick hijinks versus the subsequent war, which was a lot more kind of grave mm. and yes, affecting all of humanity and 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 sad. Whereas this one kind of just felt a little bit 
caricaturish. I mean, the whole thing is a little bit cartoonish, but but this one, you know, this war with with the opening with him like pulling the, you know, the cannon, the missile trigger, and the upside down plane and stuff. It was um, it all felt like a little bit of a a cartoon war. Yeah. Versus yeah. the next war, which was like, re- oh no, this is this is real. So I kind of appreciated that, but I did think that it went too long. Yeah, like you could have cut it just to the plane bit and like skip that whole first bit and the movie would be the same. So I can certainly agree. Yeah, you only really need to establish that he knows Schultz and then get out. Yeah, but and and I I was like, I was thinking back on that and I feel like even then, you know, if he just came up to him and is like, and he just came up and was like, oh my God, you, that's you. You saved my life in the war. We would have been like, great. This is, that's him. Okay. Understood. That's fair. So I, I don't know. And, and the, like the amnesia, like I, <laughs> that felt completely like, I don't think they addressed it once after they introduced the fact that it was amnesia. Well, this is all spoilers, right? Uh, it's like the opening. So I guess, uh, maybe we should rate it and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's rate it and then get into it. Okay. All right. Pause. Um, I, 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 I think this is good though. I think it's good. I, in terms of the length, I almost feel like it could have been longer or maybe more stuff should have been in it. I think there should have been more. It, it didn't feel like, particularly with, uh, you know, the double cast aspect of, of Chaplin playing the barber and the dictator. Yeah. I feel like there could have been so much more of a farce element happening with that. There's a, there's a really, really great film called To Be or Not To Be, which was made in 1942, so not, not too long after this one. Okay. Um, and that's about a theater troupe in Poland. You know, Poland's just been invaded and, and they're trying to survive. And, and one of the actors looks like one of the generals. Mm, right. And and there's a lot more farce and there's a lot more kind of things happening, I guess. Whereas here, it, it, it's only right at the very end that the mistaken identity thing comes in. I think I was re- remembering that there was more of that. Felt Yeah, it really felt underused somehow i i don't know maybe again it's just like i'd had this kind of expectation from watching it years ago and 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 this obviously the towering reputation yeah uh, i mean i feel like as well you know charlie chaplin could come up in the silent slapstick era where they didn't really write movies they just came up with a set piece and then built a plot around it maybe that's what he did <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, even then, like, it felt like there should have been more set pieces or whatever. Like, I didn't mind, you know, the plot, whatever. But if more was happening, <laughs> then I kind of would have forgiven it. What are you going to rate it then, Ben? Is it an oldie or is it a goodie? I still, oh no, definitely, it's st- definitely still a goodie. For as, mu- as much as I'm sort of being a little bit negative about it, it is, you know, it's, it, it is a classic. It's also very accomplished it's you know the moments where it hits it re- it really does hit and yeah it definitely definitely a goodie uh like even chaplin said he probably would have made it different and or not made it <laughs> yeah. after the war so clearly there is room for improvement and i think uh that that sort of adds and subtracts to the movie right where you have this this movie that wasn't quite aware of itself with that sort of thing so 
it, it was interesting. And I, I definitely liked the ending. The ending was, I think, the best part of the movie. I, I, I also thought it was weird that we only had the body swap at the very end. I thought yes. that was also going to happen way earlier. Well, I thought that they weren't going to address it. Because at the start, it's like any... Like, they aren't meant to look the same. That's what it says at the start of the movie. No. Uh, but then they do. So I'm like, what are the rules, Charlie Chaplin? What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a time capsule in that kind of, you know, cusp of war era. Because when, yeah, when he was first writing and, and creating this film, um, I was reading that the, the UK was still on, like, fairly friendly terms with Nazi Germany. And so yes. they didn't want to ah. rock the boat. And so they didn't want to release it. I mean, at the time of release, the US was as well. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, by the time it came out, they, they were at war, so they were like a great, you know, some propaganda, whatever. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that ironic, though? Mm. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in that in that regard, it was, it's like it, it, it seems almost more relevant because it was kind of waking people up to... Things that were going on that perhaps governments weren't, that governments were hoping that their citizens would, would ignore. Yes. Uh, because they were, you know, politically meant to be on good terms with, with, with the country. And so, you know, Chaplin making this film being like, yeah, actually, hey, everyone, <laughs> this guy's a maniac. Mm. Uh, let's stop him. He is doing atrocious things to, to people, to your fellow people. Hello. In that regard, maybe, you know, it was necessary to be what it was yeah it definitely was a wake-up call for the general public as well plus this movie did very very well commercially yeah so i guess there was an there was an appetite for it so i i rate this anti-hitler propaganda a goodie (laughs) it's pretty fantastic excellent hello it's me hey i Sally mcset my gosh that really hurts my darn tootin throat i've got an ad Why, I bet you're also wondering if you're a robot, just like me. Well, hey, wonder no more, because over on Patreon.com forward slash OldieBuddyGoodiePod, we've got the answers. And by answers, I mean a bonus episode reviewing Steven Spielberg's movie, AI Artificial Intelligence. Need more proof? I don't know, clip. Big criticism, by the way. Why the fuck does he have an actual working mouth that he can dump spinach on his own circuits? Yeah, there should be some sort of kill switch. Like, you put some food in there, he shuts down. Like, there should be something. Or, or hear me out, he just doesn't have a fucking throat. Yeah. Just put a stopper. Get it? Get a cork? Yep. Done. No, you're right. You're right. Maybe they didn't set him up properly. Maybe the parents just didn't read the manual. I don't know. What? (laughs) Like, you don't leave this shit in your model uh, because people are going to fuck up and, like, act. Oh, no. I accidentally gave him a Snickers bar. Now he's broken. You know? Like, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wowie, that sounds so hilarious. I'm gonna, I'm gonna self-destruct. But I, I, I better go to patreon.com forward slash oldiebuddygoody first and get that bonus episode. You can also get ad-free episodes of this here show, which is just the podcast you're listening to, but without me. That sounds amazing. Yeehaw! All right, let's move on to some spoilers. As yes, yeah, so, so as I was mentioning, uh, it opens during World War One. He finds Commander Schultz 
Um, there's that very Looney Tunes type sequence in an upside down airplane that does go on for too long, but I did think it was very funny. I was enjoying that a lot. Mm. I was uh, not expecting this movie to open with basically just a World War One short, but uh, it's pretty fun. But yeah, they crash. The barber has amnesia. He's in a hospital. Like tw- like tw- twenty years later, he's still in a hospital. He's got amnesia. He thinks it's been a week since the end of World War One or something. But then, yeah, they don't address that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's like a there's a little bit where he's like, I think they talk about the fact that that this is why he doesn't think that there's much wrong with the, their living situation at the moment. And then when the, when Schultz comes back, he's like, hey, do you remember me? He's like, no, I don't remember you. And then he's like, hey, no, you saved my life. It's like, oh, yeah, now it's convenient for me to not putting uh, amnesia in the in the plot. Did I did I watch a different film to you guys? He comes back and this whole barbershop is covered in web. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? And then people put Jew on his shop. And he's like, why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah, but that and but that's that's about it, right? Yeah, well, that he spends this time, you know, fighting your stormtroopers because he doesn't know that they're the ones in charge now. Yeah, and then, I yeah, suppose. he has to be sort of like explained what's happened. Yeah, I feel like they could have done a bit more. I don't know. Yeah, maybe he does get mistaken for Hinkle earlier on, and then it is like. He's in office, but doesn't know what to do. Oh no! Like that mm. maybe could have been a better use of amnesia. Yeah, like the, I they they f- saw his photo and they were like, "Hang on." I I would have liked it if they both got amnesia, so neither one knew <laughs> who the other. Like they they were like, "One of us is a dictator, and one of us is a barber." Like, oh my god, it's like the Spider Man pointing meme, but they're doing something. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> To be fair, there are, like, I, I, I think I was also thinking of there's, like, there's several films that uh, that have used this uh, where two people are, like, there's, like, a broken mirror and they, mm. you know, pretend each each person is the other person. But um, I think there's a Max Linder film that did it and Marx Brothers did it. But, um, yeah, it kind of feels like the amnesia in that case was just a, a, a little device to get him to be shocked at what's happening with the world. Yeah. And I guess also get him to be quite hopeful as well. Yeah, that too. Maybe. Mm. But yeah, I want to know why, because the movie, it opens with any resemblance between the dictator and the barber is purely coincidental. So I was like, oh, they're not meant to look the same. But then they do. I thought that was a joke. Yeah, I thought that was a joke. Uh, Sandro, this is a comedy film. (laughs) I'm not sure if you realize. No, this is a dark comedy. There are no jokes in dark (laughs) comedy. (laughs) it's true i thought it was just making fun of hitler at the start of the film like it opened with a hey hitler go fuck yourself sort of situation uh that's what i thought was going on yeah 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 Mm. but yeah that's the opening kind of set piece which is okay i i thought it was a bit of fun but i was also kind of waiting for the movie to start that whole time yeah as well yeah it was a it was a bit of a shame because it sort of it didn't seem to carry with it the spirit of the rest of the film. I liked the uh, slapstick stormtrooper shenanigans, though. That was pretty good. Yeah, well, once it gets into the the ghetto, then it like it it, it kind of kicks off a bit more. But any everything up to that point was a little bit take it or leave it. I think. And I I, I know I'm whatever. It's harsh. Yeah, you're allowed to be nitpicky. You're like you're allowed to not like things. 
I don't I don't want to be a contrarian or anything. I just I didn't it didn't match the tone mm, mm. Uh, or the message even potentially of of the rest of the film. It it's so it seemed to be just purely really labored exposition. Yeah, okay. Mm. Well, I mean, as someone who was writing silent movies where you literally have a wall of text to explain stuff, maybe that, mm. maybe that's all he knew how to write. <laughs> it is very like modern movie where they're just explaining everything ab nauseum. And it's like, you didn't need to explain that. You could have just shown like a crash. Oh, not even that. I just like just started in the ghetto. And then when the other guy turns up, he's like, oh, you, you saved my life in the war. And it's like, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I say a plane crashes, then you cut immediately to the ghetto, and he's, like, got a bandage on his head, but he's in the ghetto. Nah, irrelevant, irrelevant. Yeah, nah, I think it adds a bit of mystery, like, what, what the fuck happened with that plane at the start, you know? I mean, if they're gonna answer it, maybe. Yeah. If they'll, like, answer the mystery, maybe, I don't know. I did like the the, the dual, like, the, the way that he characterized... Uh, Hinkle and the barber were were quite striking. Yeah, the posture changes. It's uh, quite good. The manner and everything is becomes suddenly a lot more fierce and mm. egotistical. You know, it, it he carry the way he carries himself and and the moves around. Even it's just yeah. I love the dictator because he seems like a big child the whole time, which was great. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of the point. The um the classic scene with him and. Totally not Mussolini, just like arguing is just <laughs> two kids having a tantrum. Yeah, yeah, basically. yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like sh- trying to show off to each other by who can put their barber's chair higher. <laughs> uh, and the like mini chair he gave Mussolini to sit in, you know. Oh, yeah. The tiny chair. To and- try and seem bigger. The camera the camera in this, just as an aside, it was, it was really quite impressive. Quite quite a l- lyrical movements of, of the camera. Particularly that opening sequence, you know, I, I didn't like it, but <laughs> the camera was really fascinating to watch. Just the, yeah, the the way it was, uh, it was tracking everything and zo- and and following, yeah, and zooming along. Yeah, I found some of the sequences in the Führer's or the the whatever his parody name was, uh, Henkel. Um, Residence uh, similarly was just like following this grand uh, trajectory. So yeah, I I I thought there was some really nice use of the camera in this. Yeah, there's one where um I think they're running down the street. Uh it's 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 uh Hitler has and uh, not Hitler. <laughs> Hinkle has told the stormtroopers to stop harassing the Jews in the ghetto. And so they're all like out on the street and then he's like actually never mind over the loudspeaker everyone packs up and just like runs down the street and we have like a tracking shot following them that was very well done and like it was like meant to be comedic cuz it's like oh no he fell over and there was a boing sound effect but you're still like no fucking run like holy shit you need to get inside right now yeah a lot of the juxtaposition of the of the horror of the situation with the kind of lightheartedness of the you know, oh, like where they're gonna lynch Chaplin? Oh yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Like it's played for a joke, but fucking hell, that. Yeah, yeah, that was dark. Yeah, and the you know the chase in the rooftops, uh, and 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 even just like the the way that the the tides turn and everything. It's 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 really like it's brutal, mm. but it's so engaging and it's it's kind of shocking 
in a good way how just how uh i mean i I guess it makes it more riveting almost because it the irony just becomes so much more tangible when when he's running around like a clueless you know like his character like a headless chicken we we know and love from all of the silent films etc you know the the thing that he's built up his career on and then suddenly in the background it's like oh actually he's running away because he's a jew and they're gonna kill him Mm. and they're gonna kill all jews and it's like holy shit yeah that was (laughs) that was pretty dark Uh, i i did have a question what did you think of the female lead Ben and Sandra, I guess, but I don't care about Sandra, so. Um, yeah, I mean, she's uh, great, um, Paulette Goddard. Uh, she, I mean, she was in uh, Modern Times as well. Mm. Yeah, they were married at the time, I think. Yeah, at the time, they sort of between Modern Times and The Great Dictator was kind of when they were married. Um, and yeah, I mean, she's, you know, she's incredibly charismatic, um, mm. a very kind of youthful exuberance um which <laughs> works really well both in the scenes of you know the romantic scenes but also when she throws stuff at nazis <laughs> yeah she fucking hits them with a fucking pan like a bam yeah fuck yeah. yeah that was great and and you know and then then adds quite a lot of pathos and defiance mm. yeah i liked when she was being all sassy to them like what are you gonna do come down and fucking fight me oh yeah Get, attack woman why don't you you big man you know i was like oh yeah you tell them yeah um and then but then you know the the dramatic turns of you know the 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 scene where she goes and buys potatoes and um then just before we've we've heard that uh hinkle is ceasing the persecution of the jews for the moment and the and the stormtroopers like she falls over and the stormtroopers help her up and like pick up her potatoes mm. for her um and just the, the the shock of that um i thought she played that beautifully yeah so all, yeah all of the moments of emotion and, and drama were added yeah re- really really well alongside her sort of it's almost she's like a like a female tramp. <laughs> yeah, in, no, definitely. In, you know, in 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 the way that she kind of skips about and 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 runs about. Yeah, no, she matched his energy pretty well. There was one joke with her that I did write down that I wanted to bring up, which was the classic, like, "Oh no, she's talking and he can't get a bloody word in edgewise." Oh, women! <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, Charlie Chaplin." Which one? Where was that? Where was that? It was like uh, when they went on a date, I think. All oh, right. I mean, yeah, Chaplin did not have a great reputation with women. <laughs> Speaking of dictators, ha ha, oh no. He was a bloody dictator on set, set. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Zach, what did you think of how whenever Hinkle is doing a speech, it's just vaguely German gibberish? Gibberish? <laughs> German yeah, gibberish. Yeah. That people can understand, even though he's talking English for the rest of it, <laughs> which is great. It's, it's very silly, although... It, is it mocking a dictator or mocking the German language? I'm not sure. There's also there's two there's two there's two there's a recycle of the coughing gag, which I was really disappointed by. Oh right, because yeah. the, the opening speech that he gives, he's like he's uh, you know angry and and doing all these fake German sounds and and German words, and then he like bursts into a coughing fit halfway through, um to 
kind of, you know, the joke is that German sounds like you're coughing. But then he reuses the same joke uh, <laughs> later on, and, and, and I thought that was a bit lazy. Ah. I thought it was funny, though. I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty funny. You, you had very high standards for this movie, and it didn't quite meet them for you. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was expecting more from Charles Chaplin. Oh shit, he used his, his full name. He's in trouble now. <laughs> full legal name. Yeah, he's in trouble now. Sir Charles Spencer Chaplin. <laughs> oh my goodness. Get down here right now, <laughs> and you are going to write new jokes to put in between here. You're going to stop using the same joke twice in a film without heightening. You at least heighten it. You know the rules of comedy. Do it again, but heighten it. It's true. Absolutely. Or do it a third time and subvert it. Anyway. Exactly. I've got a couple other set pieces to mention. The very famous dance sequence with the balloon. Oh, yes. The globe, yeah. That was quite fun. I mean, again, you know, to, to, to your point of, of uh, he, he was acting like a child. This is, this is a kid with a toy, you know. This is <laughs> the, way that, the, the way that Hitler was, you know, using the world as his plaything to kind of take it back to a very real metaphor, but... The in the, the way it's represented in the in the film with as this almost like graceful, delicate, joyous romp. <laughs> it, I I mean it's scary. Yeah. Oh no! But he squeezed too hard and the world exploded. Uh oh! Prophetic. There were like there were two jokes where like someone was trying to invent something, but it fe- like the bulletproof uniform and the the parachute hat, and then they both ended up dying. And it's like okay, and. I was waiting. I, I was waiting for the third one, right? Rules of three. Yeah, I thought the third one was they were like, we invented this new gas that'll kill people. Like that's a oh. a, a line after the two inventions, but then they don't do a joke with that. I thought it was going to be like uh, Henkel uses an invention to try and like escape something or something and then that fails on him as well and that's what gets his comeuppance and he shoots like himself that. in the head no, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, you're thinking of a different one you're thinking of a different dictator <laughs> not henkel you're thinking of the other one yeah i think the gas thing it didn't didn't read to me as a continuation of that joke it, no. it just read to me as like uh, a reference to the gas but i could be i could be wrong uh, yeah, I, I can't remember which sequence it takes place in, if it's the same sequence there. Oh, we never get, um, there's the joke as well where, like, he's only got a few seconds to stand in front of, like, a painter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and someone making his bust as well. I thought that was really funny, but again, it was like, it was kind of a throwaway. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but it's like it came back to it twice, you know. I think there was a lot of twos in this. Yes, not threes. It could have come in at the last second or someone else comes in and they start painting and they go, oh, crap, we messed it up. Like Mussolini just <laughs> bursts in. And so then we get like a half Mussolini, half Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> the, the like, because there was, um, I really enjoyed the, when he had this like filing cabinet behind him and then he opened it up and it was actually just mirrored so he could look at his own reflection. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That Like that was quite funny. And it was like, you, we only got that once because it, we didn't need it more than once mm. um and i i was wondering like maybe 
maybe there should have been more of these little throwaways mm, mm. rather than trying to do the same joke twice and never going anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, the 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 painter joke would have been good if they only did that once. The coughing joke would have been better if they only did it once. Yeah, and then- yeah. That's what I thought. Either do it once or thr- uh, once or thrice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of coming back to it, there should have been a fresh new joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Maybe Chaplin just didn't get talking comedy as well. Like, <laughs> there were moments in here where it, like, there's a scene right at the start in the airplane where um they're, like, upside down and the guy's like, oh, the blood's returning to my head because he's, he's, he's upside down. And they're, they're like, how's the plane's gas? Oh, terrible. Keeps me up all night. I'm like, is Charlie <laughs> just ripping off... Marx Brothers, is that what he's doing right now? I kind of feel like he maybe looked at the comedy landscape and was like, people like repeating jokes. I'll put that in there. But didn't understand that you've got to heighten it every time. I don't know. No, well, I mean, I don't think so. Because all of the jokes that we're citing that he didn't heighten were were all visual gags. So I'm sure he was, he knew what he was doing. Mm. The gas joke was funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the gas situation? Oh, it keeps me up all night. Yeah. No, that was, that was funny. The barber sequence. Oh, yeah, that was a great gag. That was a great one-off gag. The, yeah, the the barber bit where he's uh, shaving the he- the guy in tune with the in time with the music. That was a wonderful set piece. Yeah. yeah. The little joke with the kid coming in and then going like, he's still sh- shaving the bald man's head. Yeah, 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 yeah he's polishing <laughs> the guy's head. I... I liked the set piece where Schultz is helping them out. He's in the basement and he's like, all right, one of you is going to be a martyr. One of you is going to blow up the palace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whoever has a nickel in their pudding is the one to do it. And they're all just like, they're all finding nickels in their pudding. Yeah. They all have a coin in their pudding, so they're like trying to all hide it in different ways. Yeah, that was quite good. I thought that 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 was an example of um I think Sandra you were referring earlier to kind of these wacky hijinks mm. yeah. uh happening with, with really dark material, um, Philip Pullman. As an example of of that where it's like this is this is a, a very grave fate. This is a extremely serious somber occasion but it's being played for laughs almost yeah it's Mm. kind of like dancing on the edge of can we laugh about it yeah we can because it's it's still these people's fates you know but it's funny but it's 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 almost like it's exhilarating it's like it adds to the tension which itself you know maybe that's a separate question is like a can you play with people's lives like that? Mm. But I, I think it's, you know, extra effect. You know, it's it's kind of, I think the, the fact that it's being used for comedy rather than necessarily, like it's being used for drama as well, but, you know, it's not like the Schindler's List thing where it's like every tragedy is just being milked for emotion and tension. Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing to make something funny and enjoyable out of a dark thing you're creating happiness where there was sort of despair and hopelessness for sure so i think that's a that's a good net positive for the world yeah i mean i I guess it's um the question the question is whether whether you know whether you can turn this into like whether 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 it's using it for entertainment purposes or whether it's adding the entertainment to it but you know, that's that's a separate question. I don't know that we yeah. need to get into it. I think it's also case by case. Like, obviously, we all hate 
Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. Got him, but oh uh, well, not if you're not if you're a dad testing his uh, <laughs> home uh, um, sound uh, system. That's, yeah, true. that's true. Then you love Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor, but just the bomb dropping scene. <laughs> I don't think I've got too much else to mention. Oh, there's a funny joke where they're showing each other uh, where Hinkle is showing Mussolini the army. We're just going to call him Mussolini. Um, oh, yeah. And there's that great scene where you think one of them is talking quietly and Hinkle's like, wait, what did you say? And he's like, nothing. I was just chewing. I was <laughs> yeah. like, ha The mustard thing I didn't think was really funny. Yeah, I didn't know what was happening in that scene. I just the joke was that he was trying to. Ha- they were trying to. I mean, I, I, they were fighting about the treaty. Yeah. At at the buffet at the food table, and and instead of uh, in like one of one of them had a sandwich and he wanted to put mustard on his sandwich. Uh, the other one had strawberries and he wanted to put cream on it. Ah, uh, so one one ate a sandwich with cream in it, and one had must. Ah, oh, that's what's no. Like. I think I think he he. So this so Hinkle who had the strawberries wanted the cream. Accidentally put the mustard on it because they were arguing, and he didn't notice. And so and then he was like, "Oh my god, this is so hot! Yeah. I can't I can't deal with this." Makes but sense. But then Mussolini, who also wanted, I mean Napoloni, who also wanted the the must the mustard in the first place, then also eats the mustard, and it's too hot for him too. Yeah. That's the bit that confused me. I thought now thinking about it now that he put the cream on it. And so it was like he was eating sweet cream and he was like, ah, no, sweet cream. Oh, no. that Yeah, that is a weird. No, it was it was it was mustard. I will say I really enjoyed the, the concept of them fighting over the food, over the treaty. That was that was quite well executed again. Just like this completely absurd scenario mm. dealing with something so heavy. Really showing the like childishness of both the characters, where they're just like, "Yeah, no, you do it. No, you do it." Well, yeah, they're just like they're trying to show off to each other, you know. Like at the, at the even at the very start, where they're like trying to take a picture and trying to see who's who can be in front. I I, I did like the visual comedy of the military show where we didn't see any of the military that they just filmed like. A crowd with the dictators and stuff in the middle watching these things go by. And like when the planes are there, they they follow the plane with their eyes and you just see it go loop de loop and then smash down. You know, crash. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. All of the interactions I thought between Hinkle and Napoloni were were you know, they that was there was a lot of chemistry between the two performers. The I think also the pacing of it kind of lit up really when when the two of them were on screen. You know, even the really simple thing of them trying to salute each other. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he tries to grab his hand, and then he tries to salute, and then he tries to grab his hand, and then he tries to salute. But that's definitely some of the best stuff in the movie is just those two. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack Oakley is the, the other guy's name. Who was, um, yeah, they were both uh, nominated for Oscars for their performances. Fantastic. So at some point, Schultz and the barber are thrown into a camp, and then they just escape. I kind of would have maybe liked to see that see the escape mm. well yeah but again it's like because they'd all we already saw them trying to escape the ghetto on the rooftops and stuff maybe that would have been maybe he very wisely didn't want to include a rehash of previous material that's true it's true it's true i don't know i just really like hogan's heroes so i was like yeah. <laughs> Charlie mm. chaplin hogan's heroes time we, we did have a gag where there was like the thinker but it's saluting and some other famous art as well. 
oh yeah, all, all around Germany, there's like a giant clock with Hitler holding it, and not yeah, Hitler with, yeah. with Hinkle, and yeah, all the, the statues have been like edited, and it was two minutes slow. And then we have uh, uh, guys escaping um, in military uniforms. Yeah, so then uh, they get uh, mistaken to be a part of the invasion. Uh, they arrive on the frontier because the whole movie, Hinkle's been trying to invade France. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> Austria. Austria. I mean, um, yeah, not France. No, 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 no. The thing that they're not, it's not, it's not, not, it's not, not France. It's not Austria. <laughs> yes. This scene, well, not this scene specifically, but the scene of like the tank showing up and the troop showing up and the previous characters, like the female lead and the other uh, Jewish people who had escaped Germany, who were then once again attacked by troopers. That bit really hit me very hard. That was a, that was a bit of a, you know... Like, oh shit, this is real. Because it was people that had escaped these atrocities to live a peaceful life mm. that once again had to relive that horror. And mm. I was a bit like, wow. And then, of course, that leads into the big speech at the end of the film, which I thought really yeah. definitely hammered it home. And I was like, oh, damn. Hmm. Yeah, which that speech feels like it's just Chaplin talking. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, he's addressing the camera, right? He's barreling the lens and he's is uh telling us what's what he's saying it like it is he's just a regular joe rogan over here <laughs> <laughs> i th- i think and again may- maybe it's because like it's a it's a monumental speech it's and good, it's, yeah. it's so impassioned um but i i do wonder if it would have had more impact if there was more st- it was almost like there was more stakes like it didn't feel like there was much stakes apart from you know the destruction of the of of the human race or the jewish race i feel like that mix up in identities where hinkle was duck shooting and then got captured it's like that okay you know it felt really underwhelming and then and then they sort of lead him up to you know the barber up to the platform to make the speech and then it's like well we didn't get like I, i almost feel like that's where the film starts you know yeah I would have liked that to have caused them to back out, right? And that's the end of the movie. And the whole swap thing is a part of this grand ending bit, which is why they save it all the way to the end instead of using it earlier. Yeah, it just felt undercooked in that regard. It, despite the, you know, despite the passion and despite the fervor of the plea, you know. I think potentially if they kept going in that direction, though, like, this film, for the most part, is incredibly respectful to what was actually happening at the time. I think if they did go that, maybe the idea was that it it would be like an alternate history sort of timeline thing. And they're like, that's yeah. not respectful. Yeah. Which might have been the thinking. I don't know. I don't even necessarily need to see like them, you know, the, the retreat or anything. But but I feel like the, the mistaken identity thing, like, it seems such a wasted opportunity. Um, it's still a pretty good ending, and then, like, Hannah, like, hears it over the radio, and is like, have everyone come and have a listen, and that's the end, it just fades to black. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful moment. It's a great speech, it's, 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 it's a good speech, so I thought the ending was, was good, unlike Ben, who hated the film. Um, (laughs) yeah, I hated the film, four stars. (laughs) Yeah, 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 four stars. 
No, I love the part where he turned to the camera and started talking about how lo- how much he loves communism. That that, 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 that was my favorite moment in the ending speech. Where Charlie uh, Chaplin was like, and that's why Buster yeah. Keaton was wrong about my opinions on communism. Yeah. Buster Keaton was a confederate scum. Harold Lloyd was a massive racist. I'm the only good one. Don't look at my treatment of women. Yeah, don't ask my wife, though. We're not talking about we're not talking about sexism here. We're talking about racism, and on that front, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right there. <laughs> I'm not even a Jew. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, that is the movie. Let's do a remake. I don't think we should remake this. I don't think there's any reason to, but... <laughs> well, we could do what Ben said and just improve the, the jokes a bit. Cut out the ones that weren't needed and tighten it all up and then re-release it. There you go. Okay. Boom. Just a re-edited version. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 40 minutes long. 40 minutes yep. long. <laughs> Uh, alright, so a remake of The Green Dictator. <laughs> mm. This is gonna be interesting. Um, Ben, you- we were talking briefly about this earlier. You said it could be a good idea to get someone to play uh, both Hinkle, the barber, as well as write, direct, produce it, etc. Yeah. Do you have anyone in mind? <laughs> How about, uh, a, f- a film about, uh, a great dictator, um, and it's starring, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Sasha Baron Cohen could potentially be a good fit for it. I mean, who who writes and directs their own... I don't know. Bill Hader he does, he has no none of this energy. In terms of people who write in... I don't know. Jordan Peele. Uh, there's not really that many people who are, like, writing, directing, and starring in their own films anymore mm. like taika watiti would play hitler in no Jojo Rabbit. no no it'd be well, but he's already done it and it was bad it was good i liked it it was really insulting <laughs> i didn't like it i think that it's unfortunate because he's actually i actually liked a lot of his older movies he would the- make sense mm. in if he hadn't already done it and sucked <laughs> yeah he would really, he would definitely make sense. I mean, I like that movie and I don't think that he should do that again and make this film, so. Okay, what about, what about Nick Kroll? Uh, Just purely judging by the fact that I've recently been watching History of the World Part 2. Yeah, he could do it. I could, I, I can see that. I, it would be a different, like, the thing is, it's going to be a different sort of comedy no matter what, because we're making it now. What about Eric Andre? Eric Andre would be quite funny as It also I think I think it's you know it's 2023 it may as well be a Jew. Oh, absolutely. So if it's not Sarah Baron Cohen if and if it's not Nick Kroll, let's, let's do Eric Andre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see him taking this on. 
Is it then recorded in public without people knowing? Yeah. Are we going there, down, down that route? <laughs> oh yeah, there we go. It's a it's a it's a combination of of uh, of bad trip and, and Borat <laughs> and Borat and there was a fil- there was actually there was a film I haven't seen it but it's it was it made in Germany it was called Look Who's Back. I've seen the first bit. I had to turn it off because I was really tired, but I want to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah. Look who's back, which is basically a guy pretending to be Hitler walking around the modern day and like no one's aware that it's a movie and just seeing people try and interact with this guy. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think, yeah, we got it. I think we got it. Eric Andre. Yeah. And it's like, it's a pop prank. It's a pop prank film mm-hmm. remake of The Great Dictator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he still plays both roles as well. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has to, right? That's yeah, part yeah, of yeah. the appeal of it. Oh, absolutely. He still plays yeah. plays both roles. Well, then why don't we get Sasha Baron Cohen to play the Mussolini character? Because then okay. he can just be doing the same thing, but it's Mussolini. Okay, yeah. great. Done. I mean, it's either Sasha Baron Cohen or, like, John Candy, and John Candy is dead. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Who's some characters that you'd like to recast, Zach? Are uh, the, the female lead, right? Yeah. But I don't- I don't know who. What if it's- what if it's, uh, who played- who played the lead in Bad Trip, Tiffany Haddish? Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, bringing the team back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that could work. I like that idea as Hannah. Tiffany ha- So we're not really bringing any of the plot over. We're just kind of making our little dream team of yeah, well, 20 people to I think I think part of like part, part of it is that the plot will be acted out but 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 via via like prank. Yeah. Um who's some other characters that we could recast? I mean Schultz is a big one. Commander Schultz. Uh could recast him. I mean, maybe Bill Hader is Schultz. I don't think no Bill Hader. He was only ever mentioned because he writes and directs. I I don't think we need Bill Hader. I like Bill Hader, but that's fair enough. You've put him in enough film. What? Okay, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito as as Mussolini. No, Danny DeVito as um as the, the Minister of War character. <laughs> no, I think Danny DeVito as Mussolini and Sasha Baron Cohen as Schultz. Mm. If you if you're putting Danny DeVito in everything, what did we have? Daddy DeVito, we didn't even talk about Daddy DeVito once last week, uh, which I think we deserve a medal for, to be honest. <laughs> we deserve a little DeVito. <laughs> Absolutely. What if Sasha Baron Cohen is is Schultz, and then for Herring, we get um Josh Gad? No, that's boring. <laughs> that is pretty boring. <laughs> Who are we casting right now? Uh, for Herring. The, the Minister of War. Oh, the Minister of War. What about Big Nasty? He's a UK rapper, comedian. I think he's funny. He'd be good for the role. Big nasty. And they're all just running around in public yelling at people. That's the whole movie. Yeah. So hang on. So who's who do we have for Napoloni? For Napoloni is Danny, <laughs> Danny DeVito. No, 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 no. That's a, no, that's a, that's a gag. <laughs> okay. I think we got to have someone else for that. got to have Sasha Baron Cohen as Napoloni. No, <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen as Schultz. <laughs> okay. Zach, who plays Napoloni? Who's who, who's Mussolini? Just give me a name. We could put Nick Kroll on stilts. <laughs> and that could be his thing. That's kind of funny. That is kind of funny, actually. Yeah, yeah all right. Nick Kroll on stilts. <laughs> but make sure you preference it underneath on stilts. Well, that's our remake of The Great Dictator. Uh, nothing will come of that. <laughs> anyway, that's the episode. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. So just hang on. Is Eric Andre directing it as well? 
Because he doesn't usually direct his stuff. He need you need to get the director of his stuff. All right, all right. Who's a director then? Um, I think he's he's usually directed by Kitao Sakurai, and he directed Bad Trip as well. Okay, yeah, excellent. That'd be good. Well, there we go. That is our remake right there. Um, thank you so much for joining. For the blah fuck. Thank you so <laughs> much for fuck Ben. My pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Benjamin Volchuk. Uh, you have got a new monthly, new monthly show happening Ooh. at the Motley Bauhaus. Tell us all about it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm doing a monthly version of the show I did in Adelaide Fringe Festival. Uh, it's called The Ceremony. It's a group therapy sermon comedy show. It's different every time based on what the audience gives me. And I conduct some kind of a ceremony, uh, and it's uh, cool, and it's not a cult. Not a cult. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. I saw it once in Adelaide. It is not a cult. This is true. That's something a cultist and a lackey would say. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. It's uh, uh, May 31st and June 28th for now. Um, we'll, I'll be adding more dates after that. It's at the Motley Bauhaus. Um, you can hop on my website or the Motley Bauhaus website to find tickets um come along it's uh, gonna change your life you can follow the the show as well on all the socials link in the episode description to instagram to facebook thanks to everyone who leaves us reviews on apple podcasts and on spotify helps get new listeners on our show and gets us closer and closer to making the remakes that we actually want to make because <laughs> uh, we're, we're we're gonna make some of them <laughs> that's right we're gonna make some of them that's news we to will me make them. fire out this is where all our Patreon money is going. God damn it. That is where all the Patreon money is going. And you can put <laughs> money towards that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash oldiebuddygoodypod. Everyone over there is amazing. They're keeping the lights on the show. The the, the, the lights on in the studio. Uh, you can head over there, get ad-free episodes, plus get some bonus content. Uh, like the episode on Steven Spielberg's AI is out right now. AI. You can go check that one out. Have you seen the movie AI, Ben? No. Nah. Uh, well, if you like uh, weird Pinocchio allegories that are like three different movies in one because of the tone changes, then you might like that movie. Maybe. Oh, yeah. That, sound- that sounds like something I might be interested in. Uh, who did you say directed that again? Directed by Steven Spielberg. Ah, uh, no, never mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got him. Uh, that's all the stuff and things. Zach, I'm going to pick the next one. Yeah, what what movie were you thinking of looking at for 1941? 1941. 1941. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It's a big year because Dumbo was released. Now, boys, oh. whoa. I hate Dumbo. I think Dumbo is a terrible movie. Oh, that's that's shocking. You think it's dumb? Bo? I think <laughs> it is a bad movie and people who like it are just sad wow. <laughs> you just like sad things wow that was one of the only disney films i ever saw as a kid no wonder you don't like disney films. <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like for for 19 i mean there's some very strong films in 1941 but but also there's a very obvious contender mm-hmm. uh which one uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and Road to Zanzibar, of course. Oh, no. Road to Zanzibar, that's Road my favourite. Road to Zanzibar. No, I mean, look, you could go The Maltese Falcon. You could go Ball of Fire or The Lady Eve or Sullivan's Travels. You could go The Wolfman. You could go High Sierra. Uh, you know, there's a million... Hell's a poppin', if you want a left-field mm. choice. But, I mean, you, I, you, of course... 
It's got to be Citizen Kane. I mean, no, look, you know. it's a good movie, but I don't <laughs> want to be a guy who talks about Citizen Kane on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to be, but you're going to be because there's nothing <laughs> else really. There's so many other things. The Maltese Falcon does look pretty good. Zach, is there anything here that pops out to you? No, no, Ben named them all. Actually, the Citizen Kane. <laughs> no, movie I'm not doing Citizen Kane. I'm not picking Citizen. <laughs> I, it's all you about. You gotta do Citizen Kane. It's a five out of five movie, but I don't care. I'm a man on the internet. I don't want to talk about Citizen Kane. No, what I'm gonna pick, boys, is something that neither of you have mentioned. What? What are you gonna pick? How Green Was My Valley? No, I'm gonna pick a movie by Abbott and Costello, because I want to do a comedy horror film that <laughs> is the complete opposite of what Citizen Kane is. I'm picking <laughs> Hold That Ghost, where they've got to spend You're picking Hold uh, That Ghost. <laughs> where they've got to spend time in a haunted mansion. We're doing Hold That Ghost <laughs> You're by not. Abbott and Costello. <laughs> because, yes, we what are. I'm picking ghost? all that ghost right now. Why? Why did you pick this film? Because I want to do an Abbott and Costello movie because I liked them when I was five and I want to see if they're still good and I don't want to do Citizen Kane and I could pick the Maltese Falcon but it's funnier if I pick all that ghost. So dumb. Uh, all right, we're doing all that ghost. Anything for the bit, huh? Uh, next week, we're doing Hold That Ghost. Zach, you got a skirt out of that body. I'm going to shoot Ben so that the orphan comes back. All right. Oh, oh, oh. Who are you? Where are you? Oh, he's forgotten again. What's going on? Have you got amnesia, young orphan? I feel like every time I go through a traumatic event, my memory just... Fade. I feel like that's a plot device that we won't use later on at all. It'll just be for explaining like one or two things and then we'll just forget about it for the rest of the movie. Forget about it? That sounds like something that I could know a thing or two about. Hey, young kid, can you give me bread and I'll teach you a swear word? Oh, now that sounds familiar. Yeah, what kind of bread would you like? Would you like seeded, unseeded, uh, mm. you know, rye? Mm. Would you like old grain? Mm. Would you like old meal? Ooh. Would you like half meal? Would mm. you like quarter meal? Mm. Would you like tiny? Would you like big? Would you like sourdough? Mm. Would you like sweet mm. dough? Would you like bitter dough? Would mm. you like uh, umami Ooh. dough? Uh, would you like a glass of water in the shape of bread? Uh, just give me that. That rye bread right there. I'm gonna teach you a swear word. All right, here you go. That will be one swear word, please. All right, here's the swear word, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I've never heard that one before. I wonder why. Uh, that, that what, what does it mean? It means someone who fucks your mother. Oh, yes. I don't have one of those, so <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't that makes it not a very funny swear word. Hey, Percy Spencer, let's point at this kid and laugh. (laughs) (laughs) You (laughs) C-sections!